You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Walking with religion isn't the same thing as walking with Jesus. We can create a whole list of religious things to do and still miss the entire point. Be religiously active and spiritually in poverty. Powerless. Not even have enough power to bring forth a convert. Oh, God, help us as a church to just not be uh, hearers of the word, but doers also. There's a difference between going through the motions and doing something because you love it. You can see examples of this in every part of your life, including your walk with the Lord. Today, Pastor Gary challenges you to consider if you're just doing things because it's what you think, it's what a Christian should do. If so, this isn't what God wants for you. He wants your heart to be alive with His love and His Spirit. Then, you'll be someone who does what God loves because you love God. Now, here's Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew chapter 11 as he begins his message, Are You Blessed or Offended? Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. Notice the word again. This may not be the first time John sent for an answer. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. My focus is verse number six. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. In me, and today my sermon is entitled, Are You Blessed or Offended? Go with me, if you will, to John's prison cell. Imagine, if you will, having been the one picked out and even prophesied of in Old Testament scripture the very one that would literally baptize our Lord Jesus Christ and thus fulfill all righteousness. Imagine being the one that had the distinct privilege of exclaiming to the world for the first time in such fashion as to say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then imagine... In his humanity, the frustration that he must have felt when his preaching the gospel and pointing others to Christ landed him in prison. I don't know about you, but 
if it were me, I would probably give in to the weaker side of myself and start throwing a pity party. I would be tempted to listen to the lies of the devil that would say to me, after all you did for Jesus and this is what you get. It could be possible that John the Baptist was influenced by the old school way of thinking of his day and that he expected an earthly king to set up rule and reign right then and there, not completely understanding that his mission was to come the first time to set up the kingdom of God in our hearts. Not understanding then why he doesn't use military force to establish his presence in the earth and to rescue his messengers out of prison and put them in positions of authority. It could be this mindset from which John begins to question whether or not Jesus is even the one that they were supposed to be looking for. And so as John is grappling with these things, and I know that I'm making some assumptions, and you'll have to forgive me for doing so if you do not agree with my perspective, uh, it begs the question, what would you have done in this situation? Would you have possibly been taunted by the devil and said, you serve God and you gave everything, you put your life on the line, and now look where it's landed you? And so John is searching. The good news is he's not completely walked away from the Lord. He's simply seeking answers to difficult questions that he does not personally know the answer to. And Jesus ex- uh, just repeated what he had, John had already known and heard and seen, that Jesus is touching the blinded eyes. He's touching the lame that they would walk. He's cleansing lepers of their leprosy. Uh, He's touching deaf ears that they might hear, and he's even raising the dead so that they will live again, and the poor are being preached to without taking up an offering or requiring them to compensate the system for having done so. In other words, Jesus is doing everything miraculous that could possibly be done to point to him as the Lord and Savior And then Jesus caps his instructions to his disciples to tell John, and this is the last thing he says to say to John, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, I've laid the groundwork to help you understand what is possibly the mindset of John at this point as he is at a pivotal moment of persecution in his life. The word blessed in verse 6 means fortunate, well-off, and happy. It says, blessed is he. What is the condition? Whosoever shall not be offended in me. A deeper look into this word offended means to be scandalized. I looked that up in the Webster's Dictionary. And according to Webster, to be scandalized, listen, is to be offended or to completely walk away, never to return again, by some action supposed criminal. So Jesus is saying, if you can serve me and not be offended and and, and not be accusatory, 
not get upset at your heavenly father's instructions and assignment that he has given you, difficult as it may be, then you will be a blessed man. What he's essentially telling John the Baptist while he's in prison is is if you can maintain an attitude of gratitude in your prison cell, no matter what happens to you next, you're still a blessed man. We might consult Job to better understand what this is actually saying when Job said in Job chapter 1 and verse 22, or the Bible said about Job rather, in all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. In other words, he didn't become so offended at losing everything after he had given God everything that he walked away from God and he didn't charge God foolishly. He didn't bring up accusations against God as if God were a criminal, as if God did something wrong. How many people have you heard of in your lifetime since you've been a, a servant of the king who, uh, who uh, has fallen out by the wayside because something bad happened in their life and they do not understand why God would allow, quote, unquote, bad things to happen to people? People get offended when they discover that the journey of faith does not ensure an air-conditioned ride all along the way. They get upset whenever they figure out that if anything, you're not signing up uh, for a cruise, you're signing up for a battleship. That you're signing up to wage war against the very gates of hell and consequently you will be fought every single step of the way. And God is not always going uh, to make it easy on you and I. It is par for the course to serve God and get hurt and get back up and serve God anyway. Can somebody say amen? And God is looking for some Christians today who are not so easily offended by so little a matter. Because let's face it today, the persecution that we face, especially here in America, pales in comparison to the traumatic events of Christians around the earth who are literally giving their lives for the cause of Christ. We get upset if somebody don't remember to mention us uh, in prayer service. We get upset uh, if the preacher didn't shake our hand. We get upset if the deacon didn't call me on my birthday. And uh, God help us all if we can't handle any more trauma than that in the Christian world today. And uh, we get offended so easily. And so many people are out because uh, uh, someone did not live up to their expectations of what a Christian should have treated them like. And so they're out. They say, well, if that's the way church is, if that's the way Christianity is, if that's the way them church folk are going to act, I don't have to participate. I can stay at home and worship my God. And so they attempt it. And many are offended, that is, they have walked away rather than choosing the blessing of staying. Now, I've got, I've got to unpack this for you, and we're going somewhere. I'm going to feed you. If you'll listen, stay with me. I want to say this. God is going to ask you to do some things for 
His name and kingdom that are often painful, that are often pricey, that are often imprisoning, but that in the end will be powerfully effective. And the question is, can you do them without being offended? Everyone loves to talk about all they will do for God, but nobody wants to acknowledge the offense behind what they are not doing for God. Many today have excused their lack of service to God for something besides the root cause, which is truly that they are offended. Well, I would step up, but the last time I stepped up, I got hurt. And they're offended. Oh, they may be present in body, but they're absent in action. They've walked away in their heart. They've walked away in their attitudes. They've walked away in their lack of action. I'm going to get to all this in just a minute. There are essentially three groups of people on the average, I believe, in our church roles today. I believe they can categorically be put into two categories. Those that are offended and those that are blessed. Let me break it down for you. Number one, we look at those who are, I would call them, mostly absent. These are definitely offended by their very absence sake. I could point you to John chapter 6 and verse 66 when after Jesus preached that except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, ye are not my disciples. And many were offended and walked no more with him. They could not handle that kind of, that level of commitment to the cause of Christ. And, and, and shame on us, amen, uh, uh, if, if, if we run off for far less things than that. We got it out here on the church sign. We men chase mice while lions devour the world. If you're going to be offended, at least let it be something worth being offended over. Amen. If you're going to quit, let it not be something petty, something irrelevant in the grand scheme of eternity. But these were absent from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And I have to wonder where are all the people listed on our church rolls today? Why, if everybody that claims to be a member physically actually showed up, uh, the house would be full probably. What happened? Now, I, I know there are exceptions, and I'm not uh, using blanket statements to put all in one category because I know there are many reasons people can't be here. But I want to talk to those who aren't here for no other reason than the fact that they're offended. Where are you in your post when God needs you the most. Right now, when the, when the church is being crippled by inactive members, when the church needs strength and assistance and help and support and guidance more than we ever have in our existence in these end days, when you're needed most, where are you? And I'm calling you out. I know some are probably not even here, but somehow know that the Holy Ghost might. Get this message to them. And if that's you, I'm asking you, where are you? God is accepting excuses. He's giving orders. 
said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And there's no excuses when you're over a military, which Jesus Christ is. Amen. Uh, he is over the militant church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. Uh, and the gates of hell's not going to prevail against us. Uh, but he is calling us to active duty in a, in, in a church crisis where many have gone inactive. And, and they've gone absent. And I say mostly absent because some will occasion us uh, on a special event. Uh, and they have time for God when it's convenient. But God is calling us closer. God is calling us to commitment. The kind of commitment that will cost you personally. That will be very pricey for you. That it may even imprison you and restrict you in some ways. Uh, uh, to, to, it, it may cost you your agenda. It may cost you your plans and your purpose for your own life. But the Bible says that if you'll serve him without offense, uh, that you will be a blessed person. So we see those who are mostly absent. Secondly, we see those who are missing in action. These don't necessarily mean that they're absent. These are likely offended in their actions or their attitude. Jesus uh, turned around to the, the 12 disciples after all that other bunch left and said, Are you going to leave too? And I've seen it and you've seen it where people show up because they know they're supposed to. But that's the only reason they show up. Other than that, their attitude stinks. They're not going to get involved in anything, but they're going to, they're going to pretend like they're okay. They're going to convince themselves uh, that they've done God a service by just showing up. Uh, but God wants more than your presence. He wants your activity. He wants you to get engaged and involved in the process of propagating the gospel throughout the earth. He wants to know where you are on the front lines of his kingdom. And... Uh, there are many who may be present, but they're not accounted for. And I think this fits a good majority of churches today, where it's, it's easier to fill the church pew up than it is the prayer room. It's easier to fill the church pew up than it is the soul winning class. It's easier to fill the church pew up than it is to get somebody to actually be willing to boldly and unapologetically share their faith in a public place. And God don't want you to just be present and unaccounted for, but he wants to see what are you doing to make sure that his name is being known. So these are, I call them missing in action. They may be present, but they're not active. I want to ask you a question personally. Have you gone away? I didn't ask if you're coming to church. Obviously you are. You wouldn't be here listening to me. But where, are your, where is your heart? Walking with religion isn't the same thing as walking with Jesus. We can create a whole list of religious things to do and still miss the entire point. Be religiously active and spiritually in poverty. Powerless. Not even have enough power to bring forth a convert. Oh, God, help us as a church to just not be uh, hearers of the word, but doers also. For James chapter 1 and verse number 25 says, But whoso looketh into the 
perfect law of liberty. You see, you have a perfect book and you have a perfect Savior and He is the one that you should be serving and not me and not anybody else. Amen. Get your eyes off the imperfections of the church and get your eyes on the perfection of this book. Get your eyes off the imperfections of the preacher or the choir or the deacon or the, or the church, fellow church member. Get your eyes on the perfect Savior and you'll never quit Him another day of your life, honey. Amen. Give God some glory. Those uh, who are missing in action often show up, but they're hesitant to do what God is calling them to do because they are still offended. They may not have walked off literally, but they've walked off in their attitude. Well, who's that preacher to tell me that I'm not right with God because I'm not engaged in my church? I'm just giving you some food for thought. And if the Holy Spirit dials your number, deal with Him and not me. Amen. That's right. But then there's this group, I say these are the ones who accept their mission. Like a good soldier, they know it's going to be hard. They know they're going to get hurt. They know things are not going to go their way. They accept the fact that God may send them into unpleasant circumstances and give them a mission to serve in places that make them personally feel very uncomfortable at times. But they're mission-minded, and they accept their mission because these are the kind of people that you cannot offend if you wanted to. They love Jesus too much to decline his mission. They love Jesus too much to say to the Lord, you're going to have to call on somebody else to do that. You see, we can measure our level of love to the Lord by our commitment to him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, we can measure our level of willingness to keep his commandments by how much those keeping of those commandments cost us. Amen. Uh, if, if, and I'm going to tell you something. It costs a whole lot more to serve God than most have been willing to pay. Yeah. It's costly to serve God. I know Jesus paid it all, and that's your salvation. But Jesus also said, take up your cross. There's a price for you personally to pay. There's a price for me personally to pay. We've got to be willing to put our agenda aside and say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And accept the mission and not be offended when times get tough. Not be offended when things seem to go south instead of north. Can I get an amen? In John 6, verse 68, Peter answered the Lord uh, when he asked if they was going to go away too. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And you can say what you want to about Peter, but he eventually came around full circle. Even though he went fishing, even though he said, you know what? I can't handle this no more. I'm going to do the only thing I know how to do, and that's go fish. And he couldn't even do that anymore because he had a call on his life. And some of you walked away from God. You said, I'm going to do this my own way. And you're miserable. And you're not happy. You've lost your joy. You lost your shout. You're cynical. You're bitter. You're angry. You're critical. 
and, and you're just an old sourpuss, amen. You just, whatever, you, people get around you and they can't stand to be around you because you've got resentment in your heart. You have been offended by somebody who has caused you to get your eyes off Jesus. And I'm not being insensitive. I'm just telling you what you need to hear. There are times that we have to say to ourselves, you know what? If I have to be the one to bear the blunt of criticism, ridicule, and pain and hardship to serve God to get this job done, then so be it. You won't regret a mile. Oh, there may be some pains that you wish you hadn't had to endure. People will say things and do things to you in the church world that you never thought possible. You thought that my, under God, church folk ought to act better than that. But here's the difference between the one who is offended and the one who is blessed. The one who is blessed decides to be blessed. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.